the Author to Author podcast series with award-winning author Pamela R. Haight. Welcome to the podcast. Dalgetty Herbal Teas produce 100% natural high-quality organic teas using only the best ingredients. Available now from all major supermarkets or please visit our website at dalgetty.co. Dalgetty Herbal Teas. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Season 2 of the Author to Author podcast. I am your host, Pamela R. Haynes, award-winning author of Loving the Brothers and soon-to-be author of Loving the Sisters 2. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. In the interim period, I have found myself a publisher in the USA and we are working hard behind the scenes to release my new book, Loving the Sisters. So stay tuned. The lovely people at Dalgetty Herbal Teas are still sponsoring my podcast and I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate them on getting their herbal teas into the South Korean market. We have a new discount code A2ASO2 for 10% off of your next Dalgetty tea order. For this episode, episode zero, my children turn the tables on me and they interview me. So listen very carefully for your chance to win a signed copy of Loving the Brothers. Good evening, boys. Thank you so much for joining me on the Author to Author podcast. This is episode 0.0. Fabian, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello. I'm Fabian, Pam's oldest son. Good. And the middle boy? Yep, Montel. Most of you know me already. Handsome, smiley face. And the baby. As I said, thank you so much for joining me on the Author to Author podcast. I'm not really sure what direction this conversation is going to go, but we've got about half an hour um, together. So let's start with some questions from your childhood. So when I cooked on a Sunday, it was normally rice and peas and chicken. But what was your favourite meal that you remember when you were growing up? And I'll ask that question to you, Fabian. Tuna pasta. Oh, why is that? It's nice. It's good. You can't knock it. A bit of tuna, a bit of pasta, a bit of salad cream, salt, pepper. That's controversial, though, salad cream, because some people have it with mayo. That's right. And some people have salad cream, but I, we grew up on salad cream, didn't we? Mayonnaise. You see? Division in the same household. This is it. This is yeah, it. That's, probably, that's probably one of the most memorable. Yeah. So I think what else used to cook. But it was quick quick and easy, mm. wasn't it, as well? So. Remember the first dinner that you made here? On this table. Yes, very table. No, go go ahead, tell the audience. Was it spag bowl? Where's spaghetti bolognese? I'm sure. Going back, was that 20 years? No, I've been here for, well, since 2011. So, yes. 2001. Yes, 2001. 2001. So, yes, I remember moving here on the 2001. And you said you remember your first meal here as being spaghetti bolognese. Mm -hmm. But your favourite meal, Fabian is a tuna pasta. That's the one that's most memorable. Mm. Thank you for that. Well, however, saying that, yeah. been, you're a good cook, but then the times in your, sometimes you're a bit experimental. It's a waste. I remember times you, you made lasagna with plantain instead of pasta sheets with a bit of a howler. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? No, no I, don't I, think think I, I don't think we would have it. I don't think we would No, no, because your, your taste buds are expecting pasta. That's true. So when you have to then try something else, which is actually, I think it's um, a Mexican dish to, dish to make it with planting. Mm. Oh, um, really? It just doesn't taste, it just doesn't taste mm. the same, doesn't it? No. What about you, Montel? What do you remember? Um, I love Sunday dinner. That is me. I live for Sundays. I think it was um, after football. 
in the morning just come home to Sunday roast. Right. With all the trimmings are my favourite. Um, I think that's definitely my favourite because right. it just brings up so many memories. And even though I'm in my own place now, I always look forward to a Sunday deal. Yeah. It take kind of things that we used to do when you were younger. Christmas, you know, you kind of go all out. But, you know, some, some Sundays especially, you kind of put everything on macaroni cheese, Yorkshire puddings, like basically carb overload. Yeah. And, yeah. and quite a lot of the meats. But, yeah, it's probably Sunday dinner is my favourite. Okay, definitely. okay. And it's good to hear that you're keeping up the tradition yeah, of um, having Sunday roast at home as well. So yeah, sit at the table, sit at the table every Sunday, sometimes a glass of wine, sometimes two. <laughs> Both of you are chefs in your own way as well, because you know, we cannot forget your lockdown dish, Fabian, of making um, heavy soup prawns during lockdown. <laughs> and you, you frambade them as well, didn't you? Was that by um, Frombay? Was that by design? Was it meant to do that? Yeah, it's meant to do that, but I wasn't meant to nearly burn down the house. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that joke kept me sweet throughout the, the whole of lockdown. That was uh, absolutely so funny. But well done viral. for having a go. Don't you think oh. one of those viral moments? One of those viral. That's it. Should... We should put it online. Definitely see it go nice. viral. Yeah. And what about you? Every Sunday, that Monday. You got to Sunday school? No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done Sunday school in. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But yeah, I know you like that dish and I think it was you that um, I would either make it with seafood or make it with um, chicken. And I think on one occasion um, you asked for it fully loaded for your birthday. So when you had that um, as a fried rice um, kind of dish, which is like, with fish and with and with oh, meat as well. So uh, chorizo, prawns, everything was fully loaded. So I know that you thoroughly enjoyed that. Well now turning vegetarian, I have to put on the pot twice now or pescatarian I've put mm. the pot on twice so I will um the chicken and the pork and all that would be in one dish and I tend to have mushrooms and um king prawns and that in in my dish as well but both just as delicious exactly the same you make it with, with the rice fresh yeah or but they do say though it's that the, the rice yeah from the day before is probably the best mm. that's the way it goes that's, a, that's the real chef I didn't know that but um, growing up, though, Montel, you did get very bored at school and um, you got the opportunity to study at Redbridge College. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners about yeah. that? So going back some years, um, I was about 14. I was really just, like mum said, just not really sure what I wanted to do. Wasn't really focused academically. It's very sociable, but very not, not really academic. I had an opportunity to join this kind of 16-week course, I believe it was, one night a week at college at 14. Quite a big thing that I did at the time. And um, I remember dressed up in the chef whites and um, each week was a different focus. So one week might be um, pastries, one week might be main, one week might be dessert, uh, sorry, starters, and again, different cuts, different hygiene rules. That was just before I picked my options. And that's when I knew I wanted to do catering long-term. So successfully passed the first course, went on to the second course, and then... Um, we stopped just before I turned 16. And I think that's after I done my work experience in the restaurant, do you remember? Yes. And um, I think that's when I fell out of love with it because I felt like, how am I studying something at school, but I know how to do it. And that's what happened. The passion got dampened because I was thinking, you're telling me in the book how to cook. And I just cook, I just eye up what I like, you know, with the seasonings and put it in. And they tell me to measure this and measure that and do it this way. I'm like, that's, that's not cooking for me. That's, that's a drill. I think that's the difference though, isn't it? Because... Mm. Um, when you cook at home, you're cooking to your taste. Yeah. But when you cook in a restaurant like you did at Redbridge College, mm. you have to cook according to how your 
guests may want their meat done, yeah. how much seasoning they may want to add to their mm. meals. And very often some cake chefs don't cook with a lot of salt or pepper because people to like to add that yeah. to their meal afterwards before they eat. So I get that. But, you know, I, I really like the way that you stuck to it. You were passionate about it. Mm. You know, you completed the junior chef's course. And I think it joined up the dots for you that you realised quite quickly that if you don't know maths, then it's going to impact on your catering. So much. Yeah, you so know? Much. If you don't know, you know the science of food, put it that mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. You know, it will impact on whether your cake is able to rise and so on. And I could actually see you joining up the dots as mm-hmm. you went on through that course. Uh, I think even after that, when I did the work experience in that Caribbean restaurant afterwards, I actually realised maybe I need to focus at school so I could do something else. Right. I think that was also kind of a revelation that I had part of that experience because now I'm thinking, okay, well, the hours I saw the head chef put in, and again, that was just that scenario, but it wasn't really reflective of the effort he put in. So for me... Antisociable hours, yeah, you're right. That's what I was going to raise with um, with Fabian because you did your work experience at a hotel. And um, again, when it comes to unsociable hours, hotel staff have to be on site Uh when it's other people's holidays, including Christmas as well. Would you say that that's what deterred you from moving into the hospitality industry? No. What was it then? I just forgot about that passion. I didn't even want to do it. So what is your passion? What gets you up in the morning? I don't know. It's money. The money? Yeah. Mm. But, but, um, Music. I was going to say, yeah, tell us about that. What about? Well, are you in a band? Are you uh, spitting rhymes at home oh, or whatever I'm you say? Gonna, I'm in a indie boy band. <laughs> in the dreams? And when you wake up? <laughs> Honestly, they might, I've got a rock song coming up. I heard that you were playing or you were performing in South London. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Tell us about that experience. How did that come about? So my little brother, he's not here. He got the invitation to come down. I'd also made a song with one of my other friends before. So and he was asked to come down. So I, was, I had two reasons to be there basically. Yeah. And then yeah, went turned up. Saw a couple of the other acts. Montel was there. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good show. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just rocked out. Like your first live show, wasn't it? No, 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 first of many, though. First recently, so. What kind of music was it? Indie. Indie. All right. Like Scarlet for Girls. I don't know what you mean. Do you know how to Scarlet for Girls? No, I'm old. She's so lovely. She's so lovely. (laughs) No, no. But if you're going to look it up for me later on so I can have a look and I'll be up on the latest bit. Okay. Okay. Love me. You're not going to like that. I'm not going to like it. It's not his sound. He's just trolling it. Is, Is it? Yeah, it's probably. Right. Right. Okay. Thanks, thanks for that, for hooking me in. Oh, I had you more down as maybe being your act being more urban or more. Um... I'm black. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you're black. And no, you're right. You're right more grime, more that side of things. Yeah, no, the grime is kind of outdated. So who do you listen to if you have a chance to visit? What's the kind of stuff? To? Um, UK or America? What do you mean? Oh, well, um, obviously Stormzy kicked off in a big way at Glastonbury. Dave was there. The mm. I don't listen to UK music. So. Those kind of, no, so it will be the American swing. I do, like, I appreciate it. Because I'm playing, I'm like, oh, he's done. Well, I think that nicely leads me on to my mm. next question, because we we talk about this all the time. Segway. Is Drake the greatest of all time? Montel, over to you. 
That's, I'm a uh, huge so Drake fan. Before we go on, yeah. this is basically Drake's love child that's speaking right now. Exactly. From so another mother, is a, I hate is, him yeah. to add. Yeah. This is yeah. a biased opinion. A certified lover boy himself for speaking. But <laughs> <laughs> Drake, for me, someone that I grew up on since I'd probably say 2010, 2011, I think that's when he really captivated a lot of people my age. And it's just a, it's a popular culture that I couldn't, you couldn't really escape Drake at the time. And not that I wanted to escape Drake. Yeah. It's like you could, he was everywhere. And that's before that kind of your Instagram boom, your TikTok boom. For me, that was just what we were captivated, captivated with. You could relate to a lot of what he was saying. It's not the deep messages that a lot of people turn to those kind of conscious artists like your Kendricks, like your J. Coles, etc. But for me, Drake just resonates with me because he's just, he does, he's just not talking about things that are super important. He just makes me feel like I just relax. I could turn up to a Drake in a nightclub. You could go for long drives into the Drake. You could um, cry, listen to, cry listen to the Drake. You could also shower, listen, shower, listen to Drake. That's, that's what I remember really yeah. is um, every morning when you used to get up, getting ready to go to school, it was you and Drake in the shower until you're ready to Whoa, leave. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me and Drake. Put Drake on the... On the, on the last week, on the, oh, okay. no, but, what's, your, what's your top three Drake songs? That's, that's so hard. That's so hard. But um, I'm really liking his new album recently. I was and, about to ask you, do you have yeah, a favourite already? On the new album. From that yeah, album? I think mm. it is um, Get Along Better. That one's a really nice R&B sound. And um, that that one, it's towards the end of the album. So you have to get through it and he just brings you back in, the guy. But um, I, I just feel, for me, it's, it's just my guy. Generational, though, oh, of my time. Oh. Of, all, of all time. Honestly, me and Mum spoke about this about Michael Jackson, yeah. and there's certain, I don't like to say icons because, you know, like trying to compare people and yeah. kind of putting people on that kind of pedestal. But um, when you talk about legends and greats and you, the people in those sentences like Michael Jackson's, like Stevie Wonder's and Nat King Cole's and Luther Vandross and your Whitney's and mm-hmm. has Drake done enough? Probably, but is his legacy big enough? Probably not, because it's very current still. Do, do you know what I mean? In terms of Drake is still current. So maybe he has to kind of retire and go away yeah. for sometimes that is the case as well. Some people post more they, they yeah. tend to kind of blow up a lot as well. Yeah. Definitely not for me, but before I bring you in, kind of are you a drink? I wouldn't consider myself a fan. Why, why do you listen to it if you're not a fan? Just because everyone else is and you just want to be kind of current or do you uh, appreciate the sound? It's just this sound. Oh, thanks. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. But I mean We've got enough talent in the room here to have our own our own band, really, with, with you doing your stuff, Patrice Keyboard, you do some singing as well. Jamal does mm. um, singing, Jared mm. does drums, so we're quite a musical. Well, you know, I play a little bit of food, you know, I've been as well. Mm. So. Uh, you've always, you always wanted me to go on X Factor. I never really felt that I was good enough to um, to go. But, um, yeah, right. So anyway, between us all, we've got a lot of musical talent going on. The Joshua, family, oh, Joshua. And Joshua as well, he's a producer in thinking. So perhaps at some stage we can get ourselves into the studio with him and see if collab. we can have a, yeah, a collab, a jamming session. Um, that would be really good. Your childhood, really, is mm. the holiday that I've been into because that has always been a passion of mine. If you if you didn't go with me, you went with the school mm-hmm. um, on really good trips. Maybe perhaps could we start with you this time, Montel? Sure. What do you remember about your first time going on a holiday? Yeah. What with- I would say is that you've instilled it in us to, to see the world, to really see the world. I remember being so young to say just enjoy experiencing, go see new cultures, go and get foreign currencies. Good time. We've always held on to currencies as well. Remember that we had, like, if it's a small denomination bill, we always held on to it. And I think that kind of travel bug has just stayed in us. And I think my first holiday was 98 and I was just turned three. And um, 
or was turning three. Yeah, it was a Christmas night. Yeah, yeah so I just turned three. And um, part of me doesn't remember it per se, but is it because I've watched the footage back of a camcorder? Mm-hmm. That's how that's how long ago it was. Yeah. So again, is it memories that are fresh memories or, or natural memories, or is it kind of just because I've watched it back? Um, but going past that, you've given us so many memories abroad, Hamburg trips on the um, on the cruise. Remember cruise yeah, to Hamburg? Cruise the ferry. Yeah. We were on a private yeah. ship. It was. See, I was younger than you. How do I remember? Tunisia, Egypt, Mallorca, obviously in Barbados numerous times. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was after, yeah. So then I think, like I said, mum let us, mum said, the world's your oyster, you know, go see the world. And that's when I kind of took the mantle and said, I'm going to go and see the rest of the world. So I went to Cancun a couple of years ago. I've been all over Europe. I went to Australia. Um, I've been to Taiwan. I just went all over the gaff, you know, and it's, it's just something that I've probably got that bug off you, right? And just getting the passport stamped and going through customs. And we keep the same routine every time we go away. That's right. That's right. Um, and what do we do? What do we do when we arrive? So you, get, you, check, you check in the hotel, you unpack the suitcase, you kind of get settled, and then you go and have a little venture around your surroundings, get your bearings, maybe find somewhere in to sit down. Then you could enjoy your holiday. Once. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when we went to Barbados for the first time, because we packed away our stuff and then we were walking about maybe staying. And, you know, we both say we would have a couple of our swimming trunks and everything. And I said, well, she knew it was a deserted beach. We had it to ourselves, remember? And we went in and I had a little tip. Boxes, I think. Yep. Quick interjection. Uh, I was just quickly, sorry. The other day was because um, I was with my partner and I said something about boxing. You know what boxing means, my man? Yeah. You know what boxing is? Mm-hmm. She said, boxing, what's that? I said, obviously, you're a bare bum. And I, I recalled the story of when was walking down Halley Road and we saw this big white dog. Um, and Paul saw it and bite my bear boxy. That's right. But yes, the question was was what do you remember your childhood memory of going on holiday? Too much just going on holiday, enjoying the weather, but just I don't think I haven't been on holiday in a long time, so I'm just clutching at memories right now. But do you remember anything about going to Egypt in particular? Well, I've got a funny story from Egypt. So do you remember when we went to Cairo on a day trip? Yeah. And we went, woke up at God knows what's happening in the morning. Early. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's all dark outside because we've right. got a coach there. Probably fell asleep on the way to Cairo. And we've, we've hit Cairo. The sun is, if anyone has been to Egypt, it's like 30 degrees on the cold Plus, day. Plus, yeah, mm. that's right. It was in the so, desert. Well, like, it was in the middle of the desert, seen the pyramids. And um, there was, was she a woman or a man? Was she a woman or a man? I'm not sure. <laughs> Do we know that? Tell the rest of the story first. Well, we've gone out to see the pyramids and then you have all the locals selling like, the, the headdress to be cool. Mm. And I remember just before we went on holiday, mum bought me a new era cap back in the day, an army one. It was kind of up camouflaged. And um, I really liked it. So anyway, the man or woman in question took my hat off my head and gave me the headdress that they wear in those countries and um, then walked off with my hat. Do you remember? <laughs> fair yeah. trade, fair trade. And then you was like, no, no, get your hat back. Do you remember? Yeah. That I'm thing not... probably cost him 30 pence. Your hat was like 20 oh, pence. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Did you get it back in the end? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there was lots of those kind of, if you're not careful, you're mm. not a strong person, they can take advantage of you. Mm. So um, I remember a police officer saying, take my photo, and he was on a horse, and then he wanted me to pay him yeah. for taking his photo when it was his idea. Yeah. Do you remember um, walking around Sean, and they kept saying, um, cheapest Tesco, cheapest chips. I said, you just said Audi, <laughs> you know, because Tesco ain't cheap anymore. Exactly. So if you're not a strong person, yeah. they want you to pay for everything. So you know, so if you're not careful, they want you to pay for everything. But anyway, 
Patrice, what do you remember about, I know that your main complaint is that you haven't gone anywhere in Europe on holiday. When you were little, you used to say, oh, all I go to is Barbados, Barbados, Barbados. That was when I was little. But what do you remember now? What do you remember now about going on holidays? Uh, not that much. It was so long ago. Five years. The last time, probably. Barbados, 2017. That's right. That's right. 2017. That's right, Jamal. Actually, mm. it's his birthday today, but he's an award-winning barber. So although you already had your hair cut to, to go on holiday, you know, when he said that he would cut your hair for the wedding, it was like a little double treat, really, because um, he's really good at what he, he does. He cut your hair really nicely. So do you remember the wedding? Yep, yeah, we, we all wore white. We all wore white, didn't we? Yeah, and we stayed in a really nice villa. Don't but I pushed you in the pool, Pat. I'm going to go out and then put yeah. all my clothes away. I did, but it's hot, so you can just dry off quick. That's the logic. Barbados. Yeah. Push Patrice I in. The last time we was all in Barbados together was 2008. We'll have to make sure we do that again in the future. But now things are opening back up again. Where in the world would you like to travel to if money was no object? And I'm going to ask you that, Patrice. Or like the possibility of death. Russia or why Russia? Snow. That's like having clean, clean snow. What would they do? Siberia or Australia. And what about you, um, Fabian? Where would you like to travel to? I've not been to Mexico this year. I had um, good reviews about it from my brother went last year. Hmm. But no, he's given me more reviews about it. And I want to go back to the before I was one. We've got this. <laughs> okay. Um, you want to go there? Yeah, but I probably like somewhere in. Um, Bali. Different. She would uh, live off the land for a month with a bed and okay. dreadlocks. Well, you've got, you've got, you're on your way mm. with the dreadlocks. With long dreadlocks. What about you, Montel? I'd like to go to Qatar. We've got family down there. I'd like to go and um, just experience the Middle East. Maybe not Dubai because it's a bit, I think, a bit overplayed out. You know, I think a lot of people do tend to go there. I think Qatar maybe can hold on to a bit more tradi- tradition down there, you know, and um, kind of similar vibe, but a bit more cultural potentially um i might just spin the globe one day just see what see what i pick you know but um we've been talking about i think seeing more of the caribbean islands so like jamaica saint lucia maybe saint martin i think yes. could be done by Vedos a lot yeah um so just maybe pick another island and um, get different feel for a different island you know and then potentially maybe south america but we'll just see how it goes you know got time yeah, well, a lot of people are now doing two-centred holidays because, you know, once they're in the, the region, once yeah. they're in Barbados, it's quite easy to then pick up another flight and then experience St. Lucia. So true. St. Lucia it's still is, expensive, though, isn't um, it? Yes, it is. Um, I think that Carrie Common meeting at the moment to work out a trading for national... It's so, close to half of the same flight as England. No, but then look at the UK when you get the train to those other major cities, you're thinking you're in the same country and you're paying sometimes north of £60, £80 to go. Sometimes I've spoken to some people from other islands and I don't want to just lie and say I'm not saying island for content. It's upwards of like £200, £200 in other islands. Yeah, well, as I said, they're meeting in the region to work mm. out some kind of because they have to stir up their own economies. It's true. Now, you know, they can't yeah. rely on people outside of the travel to, um, you know, buy yeah. But if I needed to have a break and I live a lot cheaper for me as a Caribbean person yeah. to take in another mm. island and just go across to, you know, um, Jamaica. So one thing I do love though, mm. like when we went to Barbados, it was crop over. Yes. And I like the idea that all, a lot of people from different islands would fly to, into that one country, Barbados. That's right. And celebrate. Then Trinidad's carnival, it will happen, you know, and like you kind of 
support each other. Who's you your favourite person in Barbados? That's a good question. It definitely mm. Oysters. Oysters? Yeah. I do like, um, is it... Um, tell the retail listeners about Oysters. What kind okay, of place so, um, is it? Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I assume it's, during the day it's like a kind of fish market. That's right. And um, in on a Friday evening, it turns into like a kind of open air, kind of just as long as the eye can see, just lots of bars and stalls and mm-hmm. restaurants where people could listen to live music and just cool off in a way. A lot of people from the Caribbean, sorry, Barbados to congregate, a lot of tourists congregate on the South Coast to kind of just really enjoy the vibe. And for my favourite is the flying fish. Oh, right. oh, easily. Okay. Easily. We don't get it a lot down here. So whenever you're there, you can kind of just stock up on the flying fish. And what about your favourite place? Ice shaving. Snow cones. The girl hot dog. The girls. No, no. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Yeah, delicious. Mr. Delicious. That's right, yeah. I remember when you were little, when you were at Aldersbrook, and um, you came back and you said to me, you know, when I grow up, I want to be mayor of London. And, you know, my chest was high, thinking that's a really good aspiration. <laughs> I was so proud. And then you said, yeah, I would get rid of all the McDonald's restaurants in London. And I was like, yeah, that's really good. And replace them with Chefettes. <laughs> so Chefettes is a fast food restaurant in Barbados. But yeah, that was you. And you had your favourite meal there as well. Mm. Your slice of pizza and your um, milkshake or fizzy drink. Yeah, and whereabouts in Barbados that's memorable, that, that stuck out to you, Fabian, that you like going to? Two places. St. Lawrence Cup. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Ron The Ron Factory. Harrison's okay. Been there a couple of times. So we're coming up to our final questions. We have just, most of us, watched the fight on Saturday, but there are now calls for Anthony Joshua to retire, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts. So if we start with you, Montel. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's even a conversation. I don't think he needs to retire at all. He's a phenomenal athlete. I think when people step into the ring, anything can happen. That's the risk. There's always a rematch clause in that as well. So if he wins the rematch, is he now in contention again to be the, the names we're speaking about? Yes. So I think people a bit premature to write all people's success. It was a hard road to get to where he got. And we just see the 12 rounds. It doesn't mean it make it any less of an athlete. He just was the lesser man on the day. So I feel like we just need to be a bit patient. And um, it's boxing. Things happen. Only, there's only Mayweather. You know, was it 50 and 0? 50 and 0 is, is crazy. Right. Um, Tyson Fury, I believe, has got a clean record also. But Deontay Wilder's loss and a draw. No one's really got a near-perfect record and stays at the top for that long. And it's very, yeah. it's a anomaly that you stay that good. Especially um, in heavyweight. Especially in heavyweight. So someone someone has to lose. And I don't think Joshua needs to throw in the towel anytime soon. He'll just come back stronger. He's still relatively young as well. He is. So what are your thoughts, Fabian? I don't know. But I feel like we're always too quick to write off our black people as well and put them in the mud. I think the media's wrong. Um, I think the media is very strong like, because Joshua is the golden boy. And as soon as he loses, it's like they throw the question out there and it doesn't need to be thrown out there. It's like, it's like that at the Euros as well, isn't it? They love us when we're doing the best. But um, as soon as you make put a foot wrong, they vilify us. Mm-hmm. And like, we're washed up. I don't think he's washed up. I feel like he got outboxed mm-hmm. and he didn't stick to his game plan or he didn't throw out his right enough. But he lost before and came back. So there's no difference now. What I'm really proud of Joshua is that how proud he is to be Nigerian as well. And that's something that I love. Obviously, yes, he represented Great Britain and they like to sing Anthony Joshua and speak Caroline when he's performing. And I'm thinking he's still proud to be black and of Nigerian descent. And um, he always reminds them and says, I'm done this for you guys at home in in the UK, around the world, in Nigeria. And I love it. I love it. And that's what I'm so proud of him for. He he can relate to Joshua a lot. And yeah, he's um, 
polished media now, but he still seems like he's could get down with us, you know. And um, I like that about Joshua. And again, going on to Pavia's point with like kind of the the kind of vilifying black athletes and prime case could talk about this all day. But um, when like a white athlete does something that's very similar, like a purchase of a house, and then the black black athlete football yes. player would make the same purchase and the same reason, but it's the terminology. So it'd be like starlet, and they're talking about the white person, or they'll be like brash teen or you know flashy and it's team. yeah flashy person and the connotations now it just makes it like a negative thing but if i had that money i'll buy you a house instantly yeah. it's just because of what you've done for me and but it doesn't make it any less of an achievement or any less why would you be less grateful you know and that's why i kind of feel like what fabs are saying that we're always quick to like dumb down at achievements when it comes to someone of color also as well i feel like as a society it was very reactionary as well mm. so but someone's doing good they're the best thing to slice bread when doing what when they're doing bad, you didn't have to know anything about the sport and know anything to do with mm-hmm. boxing or whatever we're talking about. But it's so a quick for everyone to give their little two pence and now mm-hmm. and have a say on yeah. things like this. And clickbait as well. People just like for example, a lot of people that are not into the sports, Josh has probably captivated you to watch that watch that sport. And you might not watch boxing three, six, five around the year, yes. but you'd watch the Joshua fight. No. So when he loses now, oh he's rubbish, oh he's this, he's that. How? How you don't watch the sport, you don't know. You just seen him lose that fight. Mm. You might have seen a an, uh, a headline and said, "Oh yeah, I agree with that." But you, there's no context, you know. And um, the reaction, as that, like you said, yeah, clickbait culture. Been yeah. living and dying in the moment. Yeah, I mean, there is something to be said as well for mental health and that being put on the agenda and having all your hopes and dreams on one person. You know, it's putting them under a lot of pressure. And we certainly saw that in the Euros with mm. the pressure it was on those young men to um, perform, you know, on cue mm. and not accepting that, you know, it's a lot of pressure to be out there. And I was certainly worried about their mental health following the game after all of the uh, backlash from them not mm. scoring. Suddenly they weren't even um, British anymore. No. Um, so, 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 yes, it's good to, you know, it's good to hear you, to hear you say that. Now we're coming up to our final bits. Starting with you, Fabian, do you have anything additional that you wanted to say to let the readers know about? About myself? Yeah, about yourself, about me, or a question you wanted to ask me. And extremely handsome, but I must take them, so no callers. Oh, oh well, I do. You, you um, just, yeah, just, I'm just proud of you, man. I'm oh, proud. about mum. Oh, here we go. Just take my ideas. <laughs> we'll come back to you, Fabian. Yeah, just, no, I'm just extremely proud of you, mum, and um, everything that you're doing. I'm happy with the Love and the Brothers progress that you've made. And the traction that you still have, even though it came out four for, years yeah, ago. C four, I would have said three. Um, January twenty twenty two will be four, four years. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and and that for me, people say, "Oh, how's your mum's book?" Doing? I said, "Do you know she's got another one like coming out, and another one's written." I said, "She's, she's that that one's she's still got so much buzz, and everything that has come off the back of that, like the t- telly, the radio, mm-hmm. and this podcast, is just inspirational." And I'm proud of you. And you, you spur me on to kind of do big things, you know, and um. Currently, I've started a screenplay, which I am now going to just really take and just take my time with it. You know, it's, it's definitely a side hustle, passion thing right now. Um, but you, that's what you've inspired me to do, you know, get kind of thoughts into things, really into that manifestation stuff. So thoughts become things. I'm really trying to think positively, write things down and get them out of my head, you know, because sometimes I'm up at night, you know, thinking of character development. Right. Uh, yeah, right. I, am. That's, I know I actually want to do it. Yeah. Do you know, so I'm, I'm going to take my time with it. 
picking it up, dropping it, but I'm going to get it finished and that's something I'm going to let you see when I do, when I finish it. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, and thank you as well, because some of the opportunities that have come my way is a result of your friends who were in the in media and um, they have reached out to me after a conversation with you and I've done, um, you know, pieces of work with them. Um, so I really appreciate your support around um, that as well. Some of your former colleagues at Lloyd's bought the book and mm. reached out to me as well. So that's absolutely wonderful. And I'm delighted when you told me um, that you're starting this screenplay and yeah. what it's about. I'm not going to tell anyone because no, we don't want no, no one voting. No. Nothing's been signed yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that pleases mm. me to know that there are more than one writers, you know, mm. like there's more than one musician yeah. in the family. There are now going to be more than one writer's. Yeah. Um, in the family as well so I wish you all the best Thank with you. that one thing I would say mum just as a side note when I was at Lloyd's talking about your book to one of my colleagues and um, she said Pamela Haynes is your mum she's like she knew who you was right. but not knew who, that, the relation and that I almost welled up because I said because she's she's um, similar age to you mum and um, mm. similar like, background and everything she's from Wolverhampton and um, we were talking about it she was I've seen it all over Facebook I know who your mum is and she was now you look like her. Like that, it was crazy, and um, it was so nice. You know, she was just so proud to that like, know you yeah, through me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, yeah, my mom's a celebrity. She said, no, mom's mom's East London famous. Yeah, oh, East London famous. famous. East yeah. London famous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to me. I want to echo that and inspirational that I decided to write my own book. <laughs> really? That has come on exclusive. I've written the first four chapters. I'll tell you the title. You are them. It's called Love and the Mothers. <laughs> <laughs> He reels me in all the time, you know. know. All the time, he reels me in. (laughs) Well, I wish you all success with that as well. But I know that you're a bit of a writer, spoken word, um, song and all of that as well. So Mm. I want to wish you um, all the best with that. Patrice, any final comments from you or questions for me? If I I wouldn't want, it wouldn't be. I feel like I wouldn't be going to school at all. Oh, wow. I feel like I would have given up by now. But awesome. if you've given me the motivation from the calls, like absolutely carnage right now, I'll get through it. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be hard. But yeah. you know, you're surrounded by enough role models um, to model model success. This guy Montel, the historian. Yeah, and you know, you've got Josh at university at the minute. Um, you know, you've got Fabian working hard every hour God sends. So you've got a good community of um, you know siblings and cousins around you. Who are doing well? There's no reason why you can't do well either. Hey, now you're doing the best out of all of us. Mum, what's the um, what's next plan? Next steps for you? Um, next steps for me is I think I found a publisher okay. for Loving the Sisters. Um, so I'm waiting to for the contract to come through to have a look. So um, in fact, I've received more than one offer. Book oh, offer. Don't think anything less than Well, this is it. You know, if they're not offering me five million, it's not going to happen. Okay. And um. Uh, so the main thing for me for the rest of this year is to get the book um, in a condition for it to be um, published. People have been waiting too long for a sequel, mm. in my opinion. What else has happened? I've done a few book festivals, um, online book festivals. Very much looking forward to um, appearing in person and doing in-person events. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that because I get a buzz out of meeting people who mm. are new to the book or some people who have maybe mislaid their copies. Quite a few people mm. have had their copies stolen. stolen. People have come to the ha- their homes, seen the cover and, and pinched the box. Mm. So it's nice to bump into mm. people who are already familiar with the book who want to read it again before Loving the Sisters comes out. Do you think you're like a, like a um, victim of your own success to an extent? Like because the first one has been so successful, it's like the second one, even though it might have been ready before, 
this is still doing so well and like you kind of put it off or do you feel like it's not the case? No, I mean, I think the main reason for putting it off is that I think the book is worthy of a traditional publishing deal. I think if it was down to, you know, it's not, sorry, it's not about publishing, I could publish with anybody, mm. but um, I'm not really uh, after a self-publishing um, route. I'm after hoping for a traditional publishing route. Everybody wants that. Every mm. author wants that because, um, you know, they're thinking of people like J.K. Rowling who, you know, was turned down, you know, thousands of times before she got that one opportunity. So I do believe that Loving the Sisters is worthy of a traditional publishing deal. But you just have to be patient mm. because there is a process that you go for. Yeah. And there is discrimination in publishing as well. So, yeah. you know, out of me, me writing a book and J.K. Rowling writing a book, you're more likely to offer a contract to her because she has got that steady body of work behind her and mm. success behind her. And not very many publishers want to take a risk of somebody brand new. So that's why I'm up there on social media. And that's the reason why I started the podcast as well. I hope that by shining the light on other self-publishers, I'm shining the light on, on myself as well. Mm. So that's the main reason for doing it. And a lot of self-publishers, mm. sorry, self-published authors complain of the same thing. They, they very rarely land the BBC interviews mm. and, you know, um, that kind of success. That said, um, over the last few months, I have become a fan of Netflix. Mm. And I love the idea that people are, can pitch directly to them. Mm. And they're coming up with these amazing series, Concept you know, far them. more superior to some of the traditional um, TVs. The traditional ones are outdated now as well. Traditional way of doing things is very outdated. So stick with that, the social media side of stuff that Streaming. you're doing and you'll find a way because really and truly they're, they're realising that they're becoming obsolete. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, albums were, are created in the bedrooms these mm -hmm. days, you know. When someone like me has got, you know, I've got my own microphone, a laptop, and that's all you really need to be able to turn out well content. So, I mean, I think you're, I make you absolutely right. I mean, I like, her name is Kenya King's story of the founder of the Mobos, founded in her bedroom. And she used to pretend she was the receptionist, the, the PA and everything. Yeah, I'll put you through to her PA. And then she'd be the PA. And she'd, yeah, I'll put you through to um, Kenya now. So these big companies like MasterCard, Took her seriously, thought that they were dealing mm. with a massive company, but mm. it was just her. She was all singing and all dancing. Um, don't get me wrong, it is more work to do for yourself. Yes. Without having the big corporations or big companies behind you, but you get 100% of the, the good. But who would have thought, though, that um, my podcast was up a week and I got sponsorship within a week of the podcast being up from Dolgate Teens and um, having them behind me in terms of being able to drink my Bobby weight in teas, but also helping me with the production of the podcast mm. as well has just been amazing. It's taken a whole heap of stress off of me because I can just send the material to them and, um, you know, and they will pay for a producer to um, create the episodes for me. All my social media content around the podcast, again, Dolgetti are the ones who are helping me mm. um, create the images for that as well. So I, I do make I do take your point, Fabian. We don't have to wait for the you know um, Harper Collins and all of these to uh, to to publish our books. But you know it would be nice if you could have a back office of those kind of expertise that you could tap into. Mm. Um, because some of the mistakes that I made of loving the brothers, had I had a traditional publisher with experience behind me, you know, would have produced a better. You think so? That's what that's what the sequels for. That's what and the sequels for. Trilogy even. Yeah. What I like about you as well, Mum, you actually really do put on other people on. It's just by following on Instagram. 
you know, you got your like kind of authors union and that like, you really promote your your peers in that space. And peer review is so important. And I love that your 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 friends promote you and you promote them. And it's not because you have to, it's because you actually want to. And I like that, but you're really pure and um your friends, they really like really support you. You've got a real loyal fan base, and I like that. And I see them repost you, you repost them, and it's just I, I love what you guys are doing. And um, just thanks to your friends as well, that and other authors that really spurn you on, you know. Yeah, I mean, I really do feel that I'm part of a renaissance of um, Black British authors as well. And that therefore, quite a few of the episodes are from authors who are based in the UK. Mm. And I've had a few from the Caribbean, from America as well. And this new season coming up, you know, um, I've now got a waiting list of 20 authors who are waiting to come on. I'm not sure of people to interview at all. And, you know, again, it's about putting the self-published author at the centre of conversation. And um, it's interesting. Some Some have gone on to be nominated for external awards. And I also created a little competition amongst the authors as well. And had three free winners as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really pleased with that and how things are how things are progressing. Well, I think I'll take enough of your time, Les. Um, so thank you very much for joining me on episode 0.0 of the Author to Author podcast. I'd like it to end it up. So you want to say goodbye. Say goodbye okay. now. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Author podcast, season two, episode zero. It's competition time now. For your chance to win a signed copy of my book, Loving the Brothers, please answer the following question. Which dish did Fabian cook during the pandemic, which had us laughing all the way through the lockdown period? Please send the correct answer to me in my DM on Instagram at Loving the Brothers Author. Good luck and bye for now. Please join Pamela R. Haynes for another Author to Author podcast coming soon. Now available on all major podcast platforms.